On this Easter Sunday, my text is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, 3 through 9. And Peter uh, is writing to the Christians um, spread all over the Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. The reason being is that there was a persecution going on. There's uh, the people who are living throughout the Roman Empire was experiencing much trials and even persecution. They were driven out from their house. Their, uh, their houses and their property was taken away because of their faith. And they were continually dealing with this, the real tension and real life troubles because of their faith. In their marriage, in their employment, and obviously against their faith and convictions that Roman empires actually believed that Caesar was God, a God. So Caesar was considered as a Caesar is the Lord. In such a way that the Lord becomes not our way of someone who's greater, but someone is actually divine. So in that context to... Um, confess Jesus is Lord, and not only Jesus is Lord, but Jesus is risen Lord, that itself became a problem and target for all kinds of persecution. In that backdrop, Peter, who's known as a leader of the gang, even among the apostles, the 12 disciples, including Apostle Paul, he was the leader of his apostleship, especially in Judea and in Samaria, uh, to the Jews. And he writes this letter, a compassionate shepherd letter. And then our focus is on actually verse 3 today. And focus on this the one phrase, which is the title of today's message, a living hope. And he begins his letter after the greeting this way. Blessed is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want you to know, today I have a great news, good news. And I, I, I can't wait I deliver what God has placed on my heart. Because it is such a good news to me. And I know that it will be good news to all of you. So a little caveat is, it might, be, it might not be the way you think it's a good news. But then yet, let's focus on this word. A living hope. We need to define living hope first. Because otherwise, without the context, we'll be confused. We will be lost. And it won't be much meaningful at all. The first one is, this living hope is not a wishful thinking, but confident expectation for the fulfillment of God's promises. Even the concept of modern day, it's, let's say, 
I hope it doesn't rain on my son's birthday. So next month is our third one, Seth's birthday. He's anticipating. He already reminds us that it is birthday. And that his baseball game is on that day. I hope. So we could even substitute that word with I wish. I wish our business goes well this year. I wish my wife will prepare some meal tonight when I, as I'm driving home. I wish my husband will be more sensitive and be a good listener. Those type of things. It may come true, but it might not come true. It is a wishful thinking. As opposed to that conventional idea, the word hope in the New Testament is more certainty than anything else. In, in short phrase, the definition is confident expectation. You anticipate because of certainty. So today, as we talk about living hope of Easter, we're not talking about make-believe or sentimentality and wishful thinking, but it is really true the Christians all, all around the world do believe that certainty is there. Secondly, oh, by the way, Archie Sproul, one of the uh, theologians in Reformed Theology, he writes this poignant words, hope is called the anchor of the soul, and Hebrews 6.19 says that, because it gives a stability to the Christian life. But hope is not a simply a wish, a wish that such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. Secondly, living hope is not a dead hope, but it is a living hope. So what's a dead hope? Maybe a false hope. A hope that is proven it's not going to work. It's not going to happen at all. Or hope that is not fruitful. Just all in the talk. The hope that is not effective at all. But this living hope, as we look at the book of James, has a living faith. Our faith is living faith, is true faith, has a much fruit. A living hope has much fruit. Why is that? Maybe this is a play of words in Apostle Peter's part. But it is because we are serving not a dead Savior, but a living and risen Savior. And even today, Jesus' tomb is empty. And all throughout the history, uh, the people have tried to prove the resurrection of Christ by taking tackle on the fact that Jesus' bodies could be somewhere. And one of them, it's very well known, a uh, uh, Harvard law, law, lawyer, law, law school 
a professor named, by the name of Simon Greenleaf, who actually researched and come to conclusion that Jesus' empty tomb proves historically and legally the best answer for that would be Jesus has risen. Thirdly, living hope is not a result of human effort, but a result of God's great mercy, as we see in uh, verse 3, for our salvation through faith in Christ. By a human effort, I mean one of those pop psychology or the positive mental attitude, PMA, or just hard work of uh, those the erroneous ideas that some people think that it's in the Bible. Heaven help those who help themselves. So you are trying to be positive, and you could make a difference in your life, and then somehow your hope will get strengthened. No, not at all. There is no merit on our part, and it is the result of great mercy and, and grace of God. So uh, during our, our uh, Good Friday service on Friday night, I mentioned this. As I'm meditating, and this might be a little uh, oxymoron and paradoxical, the requirement for living hope is hopelessness. This hope is not for the hopeful, bright, positive, optimistic people, but this hope is the, the, those people who have realized there's no hope. Why is that? Because the gospel itself is not by works, but by grace of God. It is a free gift of God. And our church is going through the uh, Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' uh, teaching on Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The Matthew 5, verse 3 begins with the first beatitude of eight beatitude. These are the portraits of God's kingdom citizen, i.e., true Christians are to those of people who are saved. What is the number one characteristic? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And this is not something that we think of when you, when you at a first glance. It might sound like a, you are very capable, but you humble yourself. No. The word, maybe but the best word for modern day word will be, blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt. There's no power in your, in your system, none whatsoever, that you could create this kind of hope. Only then, we will look to the grace of God. We will look to the mercy of God. And you see, the problem of the religion in our days is a man continually trying in their best effort to reach out to God. 
which is impossible, and yet because of their noble effort, they become, they compare themselves and they become self-righteous. Or maybe we should put ourselves in that way also too. So maybe I try to live a Christian life so much, so long, that maybe God will consider me better than so and so. No, Jesus gives an example of this poverty in spirit. He says, consider a Pharisee coming to nearby the kingdom, I mean the, the temple, and he lifts up Jewish way of praying, is a standing up and lifting up hand, and he prays, and he probably timed it really well. Thank you, God, that I'm not like those sinners, those tax collectors. I fast twice a week, and I pray three times a day. So what, what's he doing? He's broadcasting his merit before God. And then he gives, right next to that, he gives a different picture. A tax collector who is not even, can't even come closer to the, to the place, away. And looking down, he's beating his chest and said, Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then he asked, asked the question. Jesus asked the question to the crowd. Which one of you, which one of them do you think became declared righteous in the sight of God? And Jesus mentions the tax collector. See, unless we are disillusioned, absolutely disappointed, what's inside of us, that we will not really fully, desperately depend on God. This living hope requires that kind of posture. The Bible calls it a rep repentance, turning away from our ways to God's way and humbling ourselves with the empty hand. And to the cross, we bring nothing. Nothing to claim, nothing to call it my, my merit, the reasons I deserve. But simply to cross, we claim. Here's the last one. Living hope is not a hope just for difficult times, but also for the victory over death. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Most people know that Easter is about Jesus' resurrection. Whether you believe it or not, and that's a known fact that Christians do believe that. But did you know that through Jesus' resurrection, all Christians anticipate our own resurrection? Don't get me wrong. It's not... You die once and coming alive into the same body, and that's called a resuscitation. Some people experience that near-death experience, right? They were dead for three hours, and for some reason they came alive. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about what is our current body with sinful depravity, our sin nature is designed us, and because of that, 
we have sickness, we have de uh, deformity in many ways. And then our, die, our, our, our body is decaying and getting old. I won't say how old I am, but I, I, my body has been falling apart. And then my, my boy's making fun of that because the more I try on my hair, it's a, you know, it takes longer and longer because I want to hide a little bit of a, a bald spot in the middle. It's like a thinning out. So in, in many senses, when I was younger, not only death, but getting old and all these bodily symptoms were just, it's not going to, it's in denial, right? It's not going to happen to me. But it happens. I want you to know the message of Easter is for those of us who would place our faith in Jesus Christ that someday when Jesus comes back or when we uh, face Jesus on, on the judgment day, the Bible promises that our body will be raised and changed from mortality to immortality. Perishable body to imperishable body. In other words, we will have the body just like Jesus' resurrected body. What a glorious news that is. So in light of that, the simple question that I'm asking through this passage is what difference does this living hope make in our everyday life? There are at least four in this chapter. And as we remember the verse that it was read um, and repeated even in um, Christina introducing song, the, our own resurrection is promised in this way. And the victory that we have in Jesus is because death has been swallowed up by death. Isn't that beautiful? The death of death by death. Obviously, the first death is the, the universal death that all men die because of our sin. Not only uh, physically, but spiritually and eternally. Second death, you, people call it going to hell. But as we become Christian, the spiritual death has been taken care of. But we continually live in this body because of our body has a sin nature. We will die. But on Jesus' day, that our body will be resurrected with sinless body. Oh, death, where is your victory? Apostle Paul writes, quoting actually from Psalms, Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks, to be, thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first difference that um, this living hope makes, the living hope in the risen Christ leads us to focus on imperishable inheritance in heaven rather than short-lived prosperity on earth. Verse 4. 
that we are God has God's mercy has caused us to born again to this time not only the living home it's it's actually equivalent an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for our salvation ready to be revealed in the last time so what living hope promises is not a quick fix the problem of the prosperity gospel is that prosperity gospel is short-sighted and such a focused on the life right now if you really think about it, as much as you can Think about eternity compared to 70 or 80 or 90 years of on earth. Our short-lived happiness, circumstantial prosperity, whether it's your health or wealth, whether your children's success, all that is actually short-lived. And that's why the Christians in the first century, eaten by lions and being burnt on, on fire because of their faith. They were able to sing. And even, even nowadays, in China, in, in North Korea, and in the Middle East, and by ISIS, hands of ISIS, people who are being killed as a, because of their faith in Jesus Christ, their hope is not the teleological happy ending. The Superman or Batman will come and save them right before the physical death. No. Even the 11 disciples, after Judas Iscariot's betrayal, except John the Apostle who wrote every Revelation, every single one of them were killed because of their faith. And Apostle, Apostle Peter and tradition tells us that he was hung upside down. He was hanged upside down on, on a cross because he wasn't worthy enough to die in the same manner the Lord Jesus has died. So what does that mean? When you look at your Christian faith, and some of us can be so frustrating because the things are not going well. But if you think about Jesus has risen and he is a great God and God knows everything and God is ultimately, consistently, absolutely good. In his goodwill, he knows how to provide for his children. Once we are opening up to that our living hope becomes very active within us and some of you might be thinking that oh you're a pastor so you're religious so you're, you're supposed to say that our church had series of cancer our loved ones actually we, we faced some funerals that I had to lead, lead. 
And not only that, I have a brother who is also a pastor, to whom I look up as a spiritual mentor, who's just a couple of years old, older than me, who has been source of stability and strength and wisdom for me. About three years ago, he was declared with a incurable disease called PML in his brain uh, disease. And the doctor said he will not live more than a year. I was devastated. So, as much as I preached against prosperity gospel, I held on God. said, Lord, you could change anything. You created heavens and earth. This is nothing to you. You're good to us, right? Do something. And obviously, in the beginning of that, there's an anger. There's a disappointment. And there's a series of all these phases of the problem of loss, a grieving right, process. And then finally, when I hit the stage, sadness. This thriving church, the church that changed my, mind, my, my life, and the full of joy every day, and suddenly, I didn't care. Lord, today will be a good time that you come back. Lord Jesus, come. You see, that living hope was so real that not that I grabbed hold of God with great faith, but great God was holding me gently and tightly. The good news so far uh, that God continually gives us comfort and provi- provides provision. So he's, uh, the infection he's praying supposed to spread all around and then t- ending to death. It stopped. Praise God. But the, the type of, uh, uh, the, of effect, how the functioning of the brain was affected by this PML he has a speech impediment. My brother is eloquent, just naturally eloquent. As, you know, my, my church members here, and they talk about, uh, is there a way that we can speed things up? And they're listening to my sermon. They say, if we go twice fast, then it will be uh, half time shorter. My brother was twice at 2.5 faster than my normal trying to talk. So he can't even get one sentence within one or two minutes. His right side is impaired. So he doesn't even use his arm. and He limps with the left, left leg. He had to resign from the church that he planted. And there is no source of income. Get this. I have a good intention. I buy food because food is my love language. And I go, I visit my brother, and I see in his face living hope. I am comforted by his being so peaceful at it. 
I believe me, my brother was so, so much more eager and driven for success. Ever since he was a young and he was a very articulate uh, person, very gifted person. But in the midst of it all, God somehow provided peace and freedom. And I, I wanted to ask him. Well, I, I just didn't get to ask that because it feels so embarrassing to, to me. How can you be so fine? I'm so troubled by it. And he talks of Jesus meeting with him. He talks about the day that he will stand before God. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe your, your trial is not that severe. And the, the type of prosperity that you're looking for is not that much at all. Maybe you want a better marriage, like Julie and John have struggled, and many of us identify with that. Marriage is a hard work. Maybe you have a concern for your children. And maybe your spiritual walk is just has been so dry. Living hope gives us an eternal perspective. False hope promises a short-lived. But in that, it, when you are in that spot, it just seems so real and powerful. But wisdom of Scripture is that you will fade away. And I am saddened by the fact that the consumerism has invaded in church and even the Christian church, churches and Christian culture has embedded with this idea of God has to be useful to us. And all of a sudden, God becomes a means to an end for our happiness. We have decided what we want. And God, through prayer, through giving, and through obedience, God can be very cooperative because he could bless us. This is a natural essence of Baal worship. And the God's call to, to the to the the Christians in the United States that we return to God. That God becomes our hope himself. The end. And the ultimate joy. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you desires of the heart. The best desires of our heart is God himself. Number two, living hope in the risen Christ leads us to endure the hardships and the trials of real life by faith. Verse 6, uh, Apostle Peter continues, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, if you, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, and so that the tested genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's several thoughts, isn't it? The number one, compared to eternity, the glory that is ahead of us because of living up, what we are going through, the inconveniences, the struggles, that, uh, uh, the accidents that we encounter, the mishaps. Just for a while, very little while. And the second, second idea of Paul Peter is introducing to us is that you see the gold through going through the furnace of fire. It purifies the gold, obviously. But at the end of that furnace, gold is destroyed. It becomes melted to liquid. But our testing of faith, we come, our faith comes out pure. But end result is not destroyed. End result is we become a praise and honor and glory of our God. When will we learn this? And whenever I go to mission field, and just, you know, it's humbling to, to us, because there's a, such a life is very, very hard. And the Christians per, face persecution day after day. And they, there's no doubt about it. But I don't, I don't see the softness, softness, of our faith in here or in Orange County. We encounter traffic and we get frustrated as if the world is coming to an end. My confession, I I sometimes imagine I could fly with this car. What kind of trial are you going through these days? Oh, I, I have a several. I mean, to, to name few, you know, my, uh, my oldest son has a high-functioning autism. He got into a uh, bike accident. He got hit by a car and God saved him. And he's turning 17 in within a few weeks, uh, within a month or so. And he was to try. I said, no. You might be ready. I'm not ready. I will drive you everywhere, even if you go to college. (laughs) And uh, we need to fix our car. There's a damage to our car. Our tires need to be replaced. And um, um, You might laugh at me. With all the fasting and swimming I do, I still can't lose weight. So it's a pitiful thing because I I just uh, want to be healthier and I just continually struggle with this. I worry about our house and finance. I worry about our younger kids' grades. And I worry about 
their performances in, in the competitions that they are in. And many of you have a similar concerns. And especially if you have your loved ones who are in serious health troubles or you have lost your loved ones, the pain and trials and hardship is real. I love the fact that Living Hope does not give us the false promises of quick fixes, but it gives us supernatural, I repeat, supernatural to strength to sustain our life. And John Piper, because of that reason, writes, I love the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, not because they turned my life into a string of successes, but because they keep me from collapsing under a string of failures. Wow. That's powerful. Because I need that. And you need that. Unless we are these kind of people who are in denial that everything has to go right and go well. And you have to have to have always a good hair day and you feel great. And your answer has to be to anyone who is who's asking you, how are you? Fantastic. With enthusiasm. You'll be disappointed in Christian faith. But how long will you last if bottom falls apart? The strength and stability of living hope. Do you remember that? In Psalm, Psalm is saying, the righteous are not afraid of bad news. And don't get me wrong, I'm not asking for bad news to come and I'm still praying that my brother will get better somehow that he will be strengthened, he will be able to teach again, write again. But even if he do that doesn't, it doesn't happen, that I see the living hope carries him and carries his wife and children so steadily. Number three, living hope in the risen Christ leads us to deepen our genuine faith in Christ, whom we have not seen. This is overlapping with, with uh, enduring, persevering hardships and trials because the end of it, the result of it is our genuine faith being deepened. Verse seven again, so that the tested tested genuineness of your faith through the furnace fiery trials more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ though you have not seen him you love him though you do not now see him you believe in him. This is a mixture of 
the Gentiles, the God-fearing uh, Gentiles who became Christ followers, and the, the Jews who are Judaizers, who are following the Judaism, who are converted to Christianity, and many of them, if not all of them, have not seen the Lord Jesus where they are alive, when they are alive. Peter wrote this letter just three, 30 years, maybe uh, slightly more than 30 years of Jesus' resurrection. So they, were whole, they heard about it, and they were bombarded with these people, eyewitnesses of resurrection, including Apostle Peter. But they have not seen him. What's going on here? We have not seen him either. But when we are going through trials and hardships with living hope, our faith, faith becomes purified. And that whatever is genuine of our faith is strengthened and deepened in that sense. And Apostle Paul in Romans 8 it says, In all this we are more than a conqueror. Why? Because we are so powerful? No. And because of our utter dependence, a living hope gives us a supernatural power. And our faith and confidence in God, confidence in risen Savior and His promises grow. And I think many of us at Crossway have learned that so much. The place that we are meeting right now, we used to meet in one of these rooms for four years, free of rent, just because we utterly depend on God and we didn't raise any fund and we didn't join any church planting network to get support. We just asked God, you lead us. Four years of the rent-free. And the little place that we have down there, we've been there for four years of an extremely generous offer of this olive crest. Very cheap rent for us. The result is our, 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 our checking account. It's unheard of. Continually, we have a reservoir growing. Praise God. And not only that, the people who have prayed with us and, and together we went through a journey, we have experienced not only my brother's miracle, but every single family had this crisis at hand. And our faith has been deepened because of that. And here's a final and probably the most uh, striking one that I've been wanting to uh, share uh, as a fourth uh, <clears throat> point. But before that, do you remember this? When Jesus was resurrected and uh, he showed up to the, the disciples and Thomas, doubting Thomas, were absent. I don't know wh where he was. But after that, when other disciples are just enthusiastically sharing that Jesus 
has visited them. The reason Christ was there and he didn't believe. And he said, he insisted, unless I put my hand in his side and touch my, his, his hand, I will not believe. And Jesus showed up and said, then to, he said to that, uh, Thomas in John chapter 20, verse 27 to 29, put your finger here and see my hands and put, put out your hand and place it in my hand. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. Jesus is telling us that blessed are you, people at Crossway Church, Sunday, Easter Sunday worship. You are blessed because you have not seen him, seen me, and you believed. But living hope points to what will be the uncertainty reality. This time, Apostle Paul, in first letter of John, he writes in chapter 3, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when, we, when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Let me conclude with this first, fourth point. Uh, living hope in the risen Christ leads us to rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy in Christ. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believed in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. The old King James Version says, Joy unspeakable. Isn't that great? Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the power of hope that could carry us. So the living hope, the picture is this. As we are going through ups and downs of life and the hard times, difficult times as well as in good times. Our faith and our hope doesn't just carry us and just merely survive through that. It gives us joy. An active faith calls us to rejoice and the joy will be multiplied in such a way that is Words cannot express, express that kind of joy. Brothers and sisters, if you belong to Christ, this is for you and for me. This is not for some type of spiritual elite, spiritual giants, but all those people who Put their trust in Christ Jesus. I want to conclude with this summary and maybe recap. And I hope God would stir your heart 
in the same way that God has stirred my heart as I meditate on this points, just simple recap. Let me turn this way. Do you have the living hope today? If not, if you're not a believer, you're just checking the church out and your friends encourage you. And thank you for being here. Maybe something that we shared this morning stirs your heart. And maybe you used to go to church. Maybe you are Christian, the namesake, but not sure whether you have this living hope or not. I encourage you. It doesn't depend on our merit and our works. Remember, it's because of God's great mercy. All we have to do is reach out to Christ and put our trust in the risen Savior. Come to me, Jesus says. I will give you rest. And you could do that. I hope, and I've been praying for you, we've been praying for you. And I'm not going to embarrass you. At the end of the service, there is a communication card. If you made any decisions, all you have to do is put your name and I made this kind of decision. We'll love to pray for you. And some of you have questions. You could jot down and contact me. I'd like to talk to spiritual leaders or pastor at Crossway. We'd love to do that too. Those of us are sure of this living hope within us. This is a challenge. You have a living hope? If, if so, don't put your hope in short-lived prosperity or people, your loved ones, coming political presidential candidate. Don't put your hope in that. Rather, put your hope in the imperishable inheritance of the risen Christ. If you have the living hope, if so, lay down your burden to Christ today and hopefully that expression is Apostle Peter also too in verse 13. Hopefully in your risen Savior. If so, endure your current hardships and trials knowing that your genuine faith brings glory and honor to risen, your risen Lord. If so, rejoice. Rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy in Christ who has already given you the victory over death through His death and resurrection. Do not wait. I, I realize even this morning, as we get up. Faith is not trusting on our feelings because our feelings change like Texas weather. I lived in, living lived in Texas weather, I've seen some weird stuff. In the, in the morning, it will be so cold and by the noontime, it will be so hot that you have to take it off. And by the nighttime, it will be freezing cold. And as you're driving, you could see the 
sunshine right here, but about 100 yards ahead, there's raining, pouring rain. Our feelings are like that. Let's rejoice by faith. And lastly, if you do have a living hope, tell others that Christ is risen today. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this living hope in you. I thank you that you are alive and living within each one of us. I thank you that the living hope that you've given us is available as a grace and free gift to each one of us. We pray that you will purify our motives and our faith and help us to have that desperate hopelessness in us so that we could look to you for this living hope. And I pray for those of people who are just on the fence, who has went through hurts and disillusionments and doubts. I pray that you will restore their heart. I pray that you would point to your pierced hand and your side, your wounds, and your shining, unfading glory on your countenance. Call them back home. I pray for each one of us who are walking with you, that our faith will become ignited by your living hope. And teach us to share with confidence and boldness and joy. And above all, may you be glorified in our church, in all that we do throughout this coming weeks and this or the rest of this year and beyond. We thank you. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.